Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Salatu vesselam ala Resulillah ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve men ve ala nevine ta'lamu ta'lim ve tezekke ve tezkiye ve nefu'l intifa' ve ifa'lu ve istifa'lu ve hath'a ala temessuki bi kitabillah sunnet Resulhi sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem ve dua ile hüda ve dalala ala khayri bdeha'u ve şillahi ta'ala ve marlati ve kurbihi ve thababihi subhanahu ve ta'ala One of the intentions that we just made was to do to encourage others to clean, adhere to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what we want. We want to clean. Clean altogether. Hold firmly to the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so inshallah ta'ala, this is what we hope in these sessions. We will strengthen our relationship with the Quran. Strengthen are clinging to his book subhanahu wa ta'ala and insha'Allah the meanings of Allah Tabarakullah's book will be understood and put into practice and as we attain ilm and amal knowledge and then put that knowledge into practice we hope that that will bequeath a beautiful state and there is no human being that has come that has internalized any of the divinely revealed books especially those from the Ummah of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam except that it gave birth to the greatest fruits of all. May Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala give us tawfiq. We are now going to take the ninth etiquette of the Adab al-Lahira, the outward etiquettes of the Qur'an, of Qur'anic recitation. According to Hujjid al-Islam, Imam Ghazali in his book, Kitab Tilawat al-Qur'an, that's a part of the Ahya al-Muddin. And so, At-Tasat fil-Jahri bil-Qira'a. Now he's going to speak about reciting audibly, out loud. And he's going to present the different narrations that point to it being a good thing to do and sometimes it being better to actually recite so that only one can hear their own selves. And he's going to intersperse that discussion with some important ahkam, rulings of the sacred law that we should know. So this is the ninth etiquette on reciting audibly. He says, "Without shak, there's no doubt. Fi anhu la budda an yajhara biha ila hadan yusmiu nafsuhum." So he's talking about the Sharia minimum, the legal minimum, to be considered to be recitation, whatever it is that we are reciting in prayer, or any invocation that we are reciting, any Quran that we are reciting, we have to recite in a way so that we hear our own selves. Yusmiu nafsuhum, literally, where you make yourself hear your own self. You can hear. Your own recitation now that is of course in normal conditions without a lot of background noise that is the criterion he says why because reading what it really is or reciting is about distinguishing clearly between sounds and between letters so there has to be a sound that is heard from it You have to project it slightly, at least with your voice. The legal minimum is that you can hear yourself recite or read. So if a person just moves his tongue, for instance, or doesn't move his tongue at all and just recites in his heart, someone's prayer is actually not accepted. In order for your prayer to be accepted, You have to move your tongue and actually recite so that in normal conditions you can actually hear yourself recite. 
فأما الجهر بحيث يسمع غيره فهو محبوب على وجه ومكروه على وجه آخر As for reciting audibly so that other people can hear you He says from one standpoint this is something praiseworthy From a, another standpoint it could take on the legal ruling of being offensive legally So he's going to get into that debate And he's going to present both sides And then he's going to give us a way to understand the different narrations so he says, So the following narrations indicate the recommended nature of Israr, that is reciting silently. And of course what is meant here silently is where you only hear yourself recite. And there's a narration where the Prophet said, The one who recites the Quran out loud is like the one who gives charity openly. And the one who gives charity, the one who recites silently, is like the one who gives charity silently. And of course that we know, there is increased reward for giving charity such that, and that not reciting, but that, that giving charity such that no one knows, so secretly, I think I said silently, giving charity secretly. And we know that there is an increased reward for doing so because of the sincerity of the act. And there is a hadith that's indicated that it's narrated that our Prophet said, So, doing actions secretly are more virtuous than doing actions openly. 70 times fold. So this is a general principle. And there's of course exceptions to that. When by doing something you can be followed outwardly and openly, that then people will follow you in doing so, then it's, it's, it's actually recommended to do that. But the general rule is we should try to hide our good deeds. We should try to worship Allah secretly and do things in a way that no one else knows what it is that we're doing. And closely related to this is what they actually mention when they talk about riya, ostentation. One of the types of riya is when you have done an act secretly and you know that someone found out about what it is that you've done. If you find joy in your heart and happiness that that person now knows, it's a sign that there's riya and ostentation in the heart. Because where is that happiness coming from? If you didn't want something from that person, if you didn't like the stature that you have in the heart of that person, you wouldn't have happiness or joy in your heart. So this is a general principle that doing actions, acts of goodness secretly is preferable and the reward is multiplied as opposed to doing them openly. And then in another hadith, خير الرزق ما يكفي the best of sustenance is that which suffices you. Where is this understanding in the modern world? There are so many benefits, and there are so many jewels of wisdom in the words of our Prophet ﷺ. How could it be otherwise when he was the most knowledgeable person who ever walked the face of this earth ﷺ? The very best of sustenance is that which suffices. And the Prophet ﷺ made dua for his family. Allahumma ij'al 
Rizqa Ali Muhammadin Kafafa. Oh Allah, make the sustenance of the family of Muhammad just sufficient for them, just enough to get them by. And the very best way of remembering Allah is to do so in a hidden fashion. Khafi, subtly in a way that other people are not aware of it. So this general hadith relates to that the topic of Quranic recitation as well, just as the hadith that came before relates to it specifically. And then we have a narration where there was uh, Sa'id ibn Musayyab, one of the tabi'in, is that uh, one night in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, he's heard someone praying. And he was outside of the masjid and heard someone inside the masjid. It turns out that it was the Caliph Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. He had a very beautiful voice and he was reciting out loud. And he said to the young man who was with him, i.e. that Sayyid ibn Musayyib, that go to this person praying and tell him to lower his voice in recitation. And so the young man, apparently, didn't really want to do this. He was probably embarrassed. He says, the masjid doesn't belong to us. And he says, every man can do what they basically want in the masjid. So Sayyid ibn Musayyib, from where he was, raised his voice. He says, oh, you who are praying, if you want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you're seeking His countenance through your prayer, then lower your voice and recite more quietly. But if you want, if you're seeking people through your recitation, he says, know that they can't do anything for you apart from any blessing that might come to you from Allah. There's nothing people can do for you. And so then, فَسَكَتَ أَمَنُ بِنَ Aziz, And so then he lowered his recitation and started reciting silently, prayed to, finished his raka'ahs quickly, and then he went. And this was when he was the emir of Medina. So it shows how they could actually advise the emir of Medina in that way, and how that they didn't fear anyone when it came to their religious principles, that they would tell it as it was. And at the same time, it shows the utter humility of Sayyidina Umar bin Abdul Aziz, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So that's what he mentions and presents in relation to reciting silently. But we have other narrations that indicate the recommended nature of reciting audibly, out loud, so that other people could hear. And that in this particular hadith in Bukhari Muslim, is that the Prophet heard a number of his companions reciting out loud, and he deemed their recitation to be good, and thus confirming audible recitation so that other people could hear. And then in a, another hadith, the Prophet said, if one of you, إِذَا قَامَ أَحَدُكُمْ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ يصلي, If one of you stands up to pray at night, فَلْيَجْهَرْ بِقِرَاءَتِهِ Then let him recite audibly, فَنِّ الْمَلَائِكَةِ وَأَمَّانِ الدَّارِ Because the angels and those residing in the house, يَسْتَمِعُونَ لِقِرَاءَتِهِ Will listen to his recitation, وَيُصَلُّونَ بِصَلَاتِهِ And pray with his prayer. And the malaika and the umar, those inhabiting that we don't see, will take part in the prayer. And then we have another narration where the Prophet ﷺ, one time he passed by three of his companions, and each one was doing something slightly different. So the Prophet ﷺ passed by 
Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. And Kanat He was reciting in a soft, quieter voice. And then the Prophet asked him about that. And he said, And when the Prophet asked him, Abu Bakr said, The one that I am intimately conversing with, he hears me. So that was how Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq viewed it. And then the Prophet ﷺ passed by Sayyidina Umar, and he was reciting audibly out loud. And the Prophet asked Umar about that, and he says, That I am reciting to wake up the one who is sleeping, and I'm trying to repel the shaitan. And then the Prophet ﷺ passed by Bilal al-Habashi, and he would be reciting verses from one chapter and then he would recite verses from a different chapter. And then the Prophet asked him about this and he said that I like to mix these good verses with these good verses. And then the Prophet said, Kullukum qad All of you have done well and are in the right. And so what the Prophet indicated here was that people are of different states. And as long as what it is that we're doing is done sincerely for the sake of Allah Ta'ala and it's based upon proper knowledge, it is something that can be valid, which shows that there's also multiple expressions of what can be right. So then Imam Al-Zaid is going to summarize uh, these two different positions for us. So how do we join between these? He said that when it comes to reciting silently, he says it is more distant from, distant from ostentation and doing it for the sake of people. And um, anyone who fears falling into ostentation, it's better for them to recite silently so that people can't hear him. And he, if he doesn't fear this though, and as long as when he's reciting audibly, he is not reciting in a way that is disturbing someone else who's praying. So that if you're in a public space and you're reciting such that the person next to you who's also reciting or doing some other form of worship, you're reciting in a way that's disturbing them, that's something that you shouldn't do. So if you don't fear ostentation and you don't fear disturbing someone else, then reciting audibly is better. Why? Because there um, is that the, the action that you're doing is not restricted only to you. The benefit actually extends to other people. So the uh, it's actually by reciting audibly a way to make sure that you stay wakeful. And it actually helps you to concentrate and reflect more deeply upon the verses. And that it also wars off sleep from you and increases your energy, takes from your laziness or your lackadaisicalness. And then you also hope that you'll benefit other people. Maybe other people hear you reciting and start reciting and so forth and so on. So this is the breakdown that he gives. And he says, So for those that are making any of the previously mentioned intentions, for them to recite audibly is actually better. And if these intentions are joined together, then the reward will even 
be further multiplied. So again, this is opens up the door for the intention here and how we can intend a number of different things. And as long as they're valid intentions in the sacred law, for each one of them, we actually get an additional reward. So we should make multiple intentions behind everything that is that we do. So this is what he said. When it's tamat niat if these intentions are gathered together, the reward will be multiplied. And then he says a principle that doesn't just apply to Quranic recitation, to all of our good acts. Will be And with by making abundant intentions, many intentions for all of the acts that we do, the good deeds of the righteous grow. And they increase. And their rewards that they receive are multiplied. So if someone has ten intentions behind one thing that is that they're doing, they will have ten different rewards. And for this reason, uh, that Imam Ghazali is saying, is that reading, from, reading the Qur'an from the Mus'haf is better. Why? Because it causes you to worship more. How? Because you're not only reciting, you're also, your eyes are in a state of worship by reading the Mus'haf. Your hands are in a state of worship by holding the Mus'haf. And so there, you're not just standing, your hands are active in worship, your eyes are active in worship, and your tongue is active in worship. And then he mentions Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan, is there was two different musahif that he recited it so much that the binding became detached. And many of the Sahaba used to read the Quran from a mushaf, from an actual copy of the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book. And they used to dislike to have a day pass. And not look at the Mus'haf. So let's let you and I, even if we can't read Arabic, let's at least look at the Mus'haf every single day. Even if we're so busy we can't even read one page, let's at least look at the Mus'haf every day with ta'lim and with exaltation, with the intention of benefiting. And there's a note here that points to Imam Anawi's position about... uh, there's a debate about is it better to read from a mushaf, and of course Imam al-Ghazali just mentioned his position, or to read from someone's memory. And uh, Imam al also says that re- reading it from the mushaf is better, similar to what Imam al-Ghazali said. And this is what many of the Sadaf, the righteous predecessors, also said. Um, but the later scholar said, one has to look at the state of the one reciting, and if by reciting from memory it's easier for him to reflect upon the verses that he's reciting and he has better concentration, um, then it's better for him to recite from memory. And that if they're equal or that someone actually has better concentration from reciting from the Mus'haf, then it's better to recite from the Mus'haf from an actual copy of the Qur'an. And... Some of the jurists of Egypt one time came into the presence of Imam Shafi'i, and this was towards the latter part of the night, walked to Sahar. And he had a mushaf, a copy of the Quran before him. And that Imam Shafi'i that said to him, Shagha lakukum al fiqh, 
عن القرآن. He says, Jurisprudence, fiqh, has preoccupied you from Allah's book. إِنِّي لَأُسَلِّي الْعَتَمَ وَأَضَعَ الْمُصْحَفِ بَيْنِ يَدَيَا فَمَا أُطَبِّقُهُ حَتَّ أُصْبِحُ Indeed that I pray the Isha prayer and then I, I read the Qur'an before me and I don't close it until the morning. And in general we know that he used to divide his time one-third for worship, one-third for knowledge, one-third for uh, his nafs and for rest. But in general, we want to, according to the statement of Mamadik, we want to worship Allah in a way that doesn't prevent us from studying sacred knowledge, and we want to seek sacred knowledge in a way that doesn't prevent us from having a base level of worship. May Allah Taala give us tawfiq and to bless us to have etiquette with Allah Taala's book inwardly and outwardly. And inshallah Taala, we will take the tenth etiquette, the final etiquette of the outward etiquettes that pertain to the Quran. Inshallah Taala, in the next session. Barakallahu fikum wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sallam wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.